Hello and good morning-ish. It's just after 11 o'clock here in San Francisco on the 7th of March, 2018. Sorry for missing out on an episode yesterday, but as we've discussed in the past, uh, not entirely sure yet whether this is meant to be a daily or weekly show. Um, So far it is. It has indeed been daily, but um, obviously don't want to waste your time, uh, or frankly even my own time, (laughs) with doing an episode which is mostly empty and hollow without real proper substance. Um, That said, today we do have some pretty cool things to discuss. Uh, Three things, to be precise, two of which come out of the Geneva Auto Show going on now in, well, Geneva. Um, The third of which ties back to what we discussed in our previous episode, whether in fact we need autonomous cars as opposed merely to wanting them. So let's dive right in. Here we go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so the Geneva Auto Show going on now on the shores of beautiful Lake Geneva or Lac Le Mans. So two cars to discuss, uh, Volkswagen and Porsche. They have both announced two brilliant new electric cars um, with obviously autonomous features baked in. I should say, by the way, you'll probably notice that during the course of this show, we're going to be talking about electric cars and autonomous cars somewhat interchangeably. When I say interchangeably, what I mean is um, it may be the case that we'll be discussing what essentially sounds like really just a car because it's electric as opposed to plainly on its face autonomous. And that's kind of because the development of electric cars and autonomous cars is pretty much going hand in hand. Um, I would actually almost say that if a car is being developed in the future and if it's electric, then it's also going to be autonomous. And I think the inverse is also going to be true, that if a car is being developed with full autonomy, chances are it's probably going to be electric. So I just wanted to clarify that if you were kind of wondering why we're occasionally going to be discussing things that don't have an obvious explicit discussion of full autonomy. Um, so let's dive in then. So Volkswagen, right? So they've just released um, the ID Vision. That's spelled V-I-Z-Z-I-O-N. You'll understand why in a moment. Um, although even when you find out why, it's still rather silly of, uh, of a spelling uh, methodology. But in any event, uh, the ID Vision is the fourth. Uh, it's the fourth vehicle to join... Volkswagen's new series of ID concept vehicles. Uh, This is based on the company's uh, MEB platform. Um, Volkswagen have said, look, diesel, old, dirty, getting rid of it. Now we're going to move ahead and do electric only. Yes, obviously, Volkswagen have had the e-Golf for quite some time now, and it's a perfectly fine little car, but really it's just been sort of a stopgap until uh, until they've been able to roll out uh, really their, their, their proper full effort on electric vehicles. And that... That is exactly what the ID line of vehicles are. So, to be clear then, currently in the catalog of ID vehicles, I should say the ID class of vehicles, um, this new ID vision joins three others. There's the ID, which is 
sort of a golf-sized vehicle that should be first to market in 2020. There is an all-electric ID Cross concept, that's C-R-O-Z-Z. And then there's also going to be, wait for it, an all-electric microbus called the ID Buzz, B-U-Z-Z. And that's coming in 2022 to rekindle everyone's love affair with, well, free love and the original minibus of the 1960s. So four cars in this group then. There's a golf-sized car, there's a crossover car, there's a microbus, and there is a four-door sedan. Um, these are all going to share essentially the same underpinnings. Again, they are based on the same platform, the MEB platform. And what's really most impressive about this is that they are, well, in a word, pretty spectacular. So just to kind of put things in perspective, first of all, Remember, Tesla's Model S 100D, um, that kind of has been the benchmark, right? Uh, it's a dual motor electric car with a 100 kilowatt hour battery pack and a range of 335 miles. Well, Volkswagen's new ID class of vehicles, specifically at least this particular new sedan they just unveiled in Geneva, the ID Vision, uh, it's got 111 kilowatt hours. And as we all know, more is better. In fact, it's quite a bit better in this case because it's going to have a range of 665 kilometers. That's 413 miles, quite a bit of, that's a huge improvement actually over the Tesla, um, which is about 500 kilometers. So this is really, really impressive stuff. Also, like the Tesla, it will, it'll be dual motor. Um, in fact, further more like the Tesla, it's even going to have, well, put it this way, if you stripped away the body panels, you would be left with just the, 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 the chassis, which is essentially uh, a huge, huge battery pack in the floor of the car. And then between the axles, you've got these little tiny electric motors, uh, the size of large water balloons. Um, but I guess that's not too surprising, is it? Because that's how, I mean, it, the, electric cars are going to be kind of all looking the same way. You're going to always have the battery pack in the floor. It's going to be flat. It's going to be large. And then you're going to have these two motors in between the wheels. It's not surprising then that this is going to look just like a Tesla underneath the sheet metal. I mean, it's sort of like saying, oh, hey, look, that Boeing looks like an Airbus. Well, of course it does. It's got a fuselage and some wings and some engines. Um, that's just the nature of electric cars. The point is, though, is that Volkswagen have really done their homework. And what they're going to roll out is genuinely great. Now, obviously, it's still several years out, uh, by which time surely Tesla will have also upped their own game. The point is that in the next mm, two to four years, we're going to see really genuinely brilliant offerings from at least Tesla and Volkswagen, electric cars that can now go 600 kilometers or more. That's over 400 miles per charge. So this is really great stuff indeed. So that's Volkswagen. Porsche, meanwhile, have announced their new Mission E CUV. So if you remember, a few years ago, I want to say early 2015 perhaps, Porsche unveiled the Mission E electric car, a four-door Tesla Model S competitor, which, although perhaps not besting the Tesla in terms of pure specs, arguably is the better-looking vehicle. It is bleeding gorgeous. Um... Now they've built a CUV version of it, um, which means a bit more sort of funky bodywork, what looks to be a slightly higher uh, ride height, but overall the same gorgeous looks. And um, 
Again, kind of like the original sedan that was unveiled a couple years ago, this one is capable of 600 horsepower, 0 to 60 in under 3.5 seconds, and a range of 500 kilometers, which is about 310 miles. Again, what you'll notice is that these aren't necessarily Tesla besting specs until you look at the charging rate. So it turns out, well, let's look at Tesla first of all, right? So um, as if you'll recall, uh, a Tesla today, if you use a supercharger, can do roughly 80% of a charge in about 30 minutes, give or take, right? That's pretty good. But it's not as good as the Porsche Model E, the Emission E, um, because this will do 400 kilometers, that's 250 miles, in 15 minutes. That's astonishing. Um, I mean, a slow gas pump, I, I don't mean this as a joke, but truly, I've used slow gas station pumps, which have taken in excess of 10 minutes before. So closing in on 15 minutes of charging time, that is, well, let's put it this way. Uh, if range anxiety was once a thing and no longer is, now that this new era of electric cars is able to take us three and 400 miles of distance, really then, first of all, range anxiety should be renamed uh, charge anxiety. Um, because obviously it kind of sucks to have to wait 30 minutes, you know, to go another couple hundred miles. Well, if you can do 250 miles in just 15 minutes of charge, well, that is fantastic. I mean, to put this in perspective with, um, some gasoline powered cars that are comparable, let's say, actually, let's do this. Let's, let's think about this. So we've got a four door sedan. It's got essentially supercar performance, right? So 600 horsepower, zero to 60 in the three second range. Um, and a maximum charge distance of 310 miles or a 15-minute charge distance of 250 miles. So what other conventional cars with four doors, three seconds, zero to 60 performance, and between 250 to 300 miles of driving range on, again, just regular conventional gasoline engines, you know, what kind of competition is there for that? Well, I can think of a few right off the top of my head, right? So there is the, well, there was the spectacular V10-powered E60 BMW M5. There are countless uh, firsthand reports of owners managing to get only around 200 miles per tank out of that thing. You know, that had, what, 500 and... I want to say 505 horsepower from a 5-liter V10. Uh, indeed, about 3.5 seconds to 60, four doors. But look, the range was less than or equal to what these electric cars are getting now. Um, I would say certainly any of the AMG Mercedes, with, especially with a V8, is th those are probably going to top out around 300-ish miles uh, for driving range. The, the point is that we're finally now at a, at a point where electric cars are certainly faster than conventional gas engine cars. They're just as practical, actually even more practical. They've got four doors and they've got two trunks. Um, they've got the same range, or in many cases, even better range now than the really high-performance gasoline sedans. And with the new Porsche Mission E, it's finally going to get charge times that rival that of a conventional gas pump. Again, 15 minutes to go 250 miles. That is spectacularly good. So hats off to Porsche. We cannot wait to see this thing in the flesh in just a few years. All right, so the last thing to discuss this morning uh, kind of ties back to the previous episode in which we discussed the issue of whether we need 
autonomous cars as opposed simply to whether we would like to have them. And if you remember, this was triggered by a question on Quora, which essentially asked that very question. Um, I would actually encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. Uh, I guess you can listen to it after you finish up this one. It doesn't really make any difference. You don't have to listen in order. Um, the point is that um, I ended up actually writing an answer, of course, to that question. And <clears throat> there was a comment that kind of got me thinking about something. Uh, the argument was that well, there was kind of two main points I wanted to address. So, so one point was, look, a lot of this autonomous functionality is really kind of hokey gimmicks. For example, who really needs self-parking cars? And then the second point really kind of targeted this notion that once cars are fully autonomous, the very concept of car ownership will kind of go out the window in the sense that rather than owning a car which is parked 99% of the time, uh, the car will essentially drive around picking up passengers and generating passive income for you so that the net cost of ownership of the car actually ends up being negative, meaning it'll actually make you money <clears throat> rather than cost you money. And the argument was, look, most people simply aren't going to be okay with that. When most people buy a thing, they want that thing for themselves and that's the end of it. They don't want it to be sort of out and about being a delivery drone or a autonomous taxi and they don't want them the people to use it and to, to, to get in it and all sorts of things. Right. Um, so let's, all right, that, that's kind of a big discussion. So let me first go ahead and get back to the first point, which is, you know, a lot of the autonomous functionality is a bit silly, like self parking. <clears throat> um, I kind of agree. <laughs> uh, I think self parking is a little silly. Um, but it, it it kind of misses the whole point. So what if it's a little silly? Um, it, first of all, no one's developing autonomous cars because they're trying to develop self-parking cars. Self-parking technology is a consequence of developing fully autonomous cars. Um, and frankly, it's an easier challenge to solve. And that's why so many cars on the market today have had actually for quite a few years now, the ability to do self-parking, um, it's sort of like saying, oh, well, gosh, nobody really needs uh, radar, you know, radar guided active cruise control. Uh, no, nobody really needs it, but it is an essential technology, um, sort of a first step, if you will, towards fully autonomous car tech. And this is why the first cars with active radar cruise control first became a thing in the mid 2000s. It's just the first step towards the bigger picture. Uh, so yeah, that that's that's not why we have self-parking cars. Um, that said, having tried self-parking, it's pretty damn cool. Um, so there is that. Um, but no, let's discuss the bigger issue of of this whole sort of car ownership model, and or, or I should say, this this non-car ownership model, as it were. Um, look, here's the thing. I ha I mean, I am a car guy as pure and true a thing as there could possibly be. I love cars. I breathe cars. I love driving. I've done track days. My dad used to race competitively. Uh, you know, he's the one who got me on track days. So, yeah, nobody can love cars and the art and the skill of driving more than I do. If ever there was an example of somebody who wouldn't be okay with somebody just using his car, surely it would be me. There are two really important points to make here, though. First of all, especially now in the 21st century, people like me are kind of a dying breed. 
most people don't really give a damn about cars. Um, it's been well documented that uh, even if you look at high school aged kids who are, you know, 16 and up, a lot of them just aren't bothering to get their licenses. And yes, obviously this data is skewed by kids who are growing up in urban cores. Like, you know, you don't want a car if you live in downtown San Francisco or, or Boston. Um, having a car is actually detrimental. It's counterproductive. Um, or New York, New York City for that matter. Um, but but by and large, though, even excluding those, you know, the new generation who just don't really care about cars, car people by definition, like me, um, we're kind of a rare thing, always have been. So my whole point is that the vast majority of people indeed really don't care about cars. And so the idea of sort of, you know, letting other people use your car, it's kind of a non-issue. Now, I get it. Obviously, just because you aren't really a car person doesn't mean that you're okay with people using your car. You, know, you buy the car, it's yours and yours alone. I get that. Um, I think then we need to get a little bit more particular here. There is going to be a distinction. There's going to be a real transition between the mental state of this is my Mercedes, this is my uh Volvo, this is my Honda that I bought for the family, as opposed to, I mean, now looking quite a few decades into the future, as opposed to, this is my autonomous pod car. Because what you got to realize is that once, indeed, things are fully autonomous, the very concept of what differentiates, say, a BMW from a Mercedes, from a Honda, from a Volvo it's it's going to be a lot less about actually it's not going to be at all about sort of how they perform their driving dynamics it's sad but it's true um cars will really stop to be an emotional thing and they really will just be a utilitarian thing i mean it's sort of like saying um it's sort of like <laughs> sort of like taking a a dishwasher uh right Nobody's got an emotional bond to a dishwasher. It's just a utility doing a thing. And if you look at the upper bound of what fully autonomous cars are going to provide, literally getting from A to B and that's it as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Um, and once fully autonomous with you sleeping inside the car rather than driving it. I mean, it, it's, it's literally going to be no different to a dishwasher apart from the fact that it's got wheels and it's going from A to B and it can't clean dishes. So... This idea that we're going to have the same sort of emotional attachment to an autonomous car as we do today to our conventional cars, that's a false premise because we just, we just won't and we're not going to. Um, okay, taking a step back now, looking at this from a higher level, just the general notion of, hey, I own it, it's mine, nobody can use it, whether it's a car or a dishwasher, it's my thing, other people shouldn't use it. Um, look, I, I guess one could make that argument. Uh, I, I, I just, um, I, I don't really buy it. And I think even if that is the case, I think it's going to go kind of out the window. People are going to care much more about the fact that they can make money off their autonomous car, driving people around rather than the fact that, oh, it's mine. I don't want anybody to use it. Um, I'm trying to think of an analogy for this today. Uh, I, I, yeah, and I'm failing <laughs> uh, because indeed it's a, it's a whole new era of kind of what ownership really means. You know, some people have been pretty 
negative and kind of way out there saying, oh, it's way too socialist. <laughs> it's, it's my car. Nobody else can use it. That, that's just a bit absurd. So I think obviously time will tell, but I think, you know, money speaks quite loudly. And indeed, once people realize they can make money off their cars rather than losing money, and once you combine that with the fact that most people just aren't really car people to begin with, um, yeah, I think this this is a foregone conclusion. People will absolutely embrace this concept of autonomous car sharing, no question about it whatsoever. If I'm wrong, you can come back and say, ha-ha, Mark, you were wrong, you were a fool, you were just stupid. Um, okay, cool, bring it on, challenge accepted, because I really believe that I'm right about this. And it's not just me, by the way, this is lots and lots of people, lots of experts, everyone is foreseeing this future, so I really do stand by that belief. All right, so look, that, that kind of wraps it up. I, I think this discussion uh, about whether we need autonomous cars, and especially the whole sort of car sharing thing, I think this is a really, really good discussion to have. Um, I would really encourage you to listen to this episode on anchor.fm. You can just search for me there. Uh, because the nice thing about anchor.fm is that you can actually leave voice messages with which I can uh, respond to which I can respond directly. So if you go there, we can really actually have a nice engaged conversation back and forth. Obviously, this podcast is now available elsewhere. You know, uh, the iTunes store, Google Play, uh, you know, and so on. But th- th- this, I think, is a really very interesting discussion that we should be having. So do head over to anchor.fm. Just search for the name of this podcast, right? Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue. Um, and go ahead and leave your questions, thoughts, comments um, with a voice recording. And I promise to very eagerly discuss it with you. But uh, that's about all we have time for today. There you have it. Uh, hope you've enjoyed. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Bye-bye.